morning and uh, I want to kick it off and we're going to look at James chapter 1 and verses uh, 1 to 8 and I'd like to draw your attention and read those verses to you this morning. So uh, James chapter 1, uh, James uh, was the brother of Jesus, that's the brother of Jesus, uh, one of the brothers of Jesus and James was, uh, uh, now he is the head of the church in Jerusalem, okay? So uh, as we, let's read this. James, it says in verse 1, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brothers and sisters, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Right there, there's two words that should never be in the same sentence, we think, but they're very much the same, you know, trials and joy. How do you do that? How do you do trials and joy? But anyway, that's what James declares. So verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience, hey, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Wow. Uh, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For uh, let not that man or woman suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded. He is a double-minded person, unstable in all their ways. Um, as I said, this passage of scripture is, uh, uh, is uh, written by James. He was the leader of the Jerusalem church. He, and he writes these four, only four chapters. It's one of the smaller books in the New Testament. But can I say it's probably the most practical and simplest book in the whole Bible. It's written from a very practical aspect. James ha, um, was writing to, you've got to appreciate, a bunch of people in the church in Jerusalem. And you'll notice in verse 2, he actually he addresses it to the 12 tribes scattered. And he's actually talking about the whole nation of Israel there, okay? Because who knows, Israel was made up of 12 brothers with the initial family who became 12 tribes. And that became the nation of Israel. And we see that now this, this church has not long but sprung up in Jerusalem. And, and, in, and all the people in that church are Jewish converts, Okay, uh, because he's addressing it to the Jews. Um, in other words, they're people that have um, know the Word of God uh, because they've been brought up in just the Old Testament part of the Bible, and particularly the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They, in actual fact, Jewish people had to memorize a good portions of those passages of those books of the Bible. And so now James, you've got to appreciate that he's now speaking to what you could class as fairly mature believers in God in the sense even though they're new Jewish converts they've come out of Judaism and they've become believers in Jesus now so they're new to that but they know the word of God in relation in relation to the Old Testament at least and so he's speaking to them and you know and as he speaks to them he talks about very practical application of their Christian faith so you've got to appreciate that tells me that no matter how long you've been a Christian and some of us here today have been a Christian quite a long time no matter how long you've been reading God's Word, uh, living, reading God's Word and living God's Word can be two different things. In other words, you can, it, it can be one thing to know it, but another thing to live it. Because Paul uh, James sorry, is speaking to what we would say is fairly learned, well, at least people who know Old Testament Scripture. And yet now James addresses them in simple terms with practical application. And he talks to them very clearly about that. And yet, we see that, you know, and no matter how long you may have known, uh, believing, knowing it, and living it 
are so important. I, I, I've got good friends who've, well, over the years, who have who, just been Christians for years, or known the Word of God, read the God Word of God, read of the whole Bible, and yet today aren't following the Lord. And, I, and, I, and it challenges me personally that I'd never fall into that trap of thinking, I know it, but you know, the difference is living it. The series that we're going to do is called Live It, and I want to be taken from James, and, and I want us to look at this, because James uh, talks about here, the very first thing he practically, and he, he apply, asks us to apply to our life and, and live, is he talks about trials. He talks about trials in life. And you know, you and I, um, there's probably not one of us here that really want to put our hand up and say, yeah, just bring it on. <laughs> Just enjoy trials, I enjoy tests, I enjoy struggles. No, the reality is we don't, but that means that we can't, uh, that we shouldn't address it and talk about it or look at it. Because as James says in the scriptures here, he says in verse 2, when you face trials, not if. Okay, so the reality is trials in life and tests in life are are, are not an option. You're going to face them. I'm not trying to be negative today. I don't want to bring us down, but I'm just facing reality is we're going to face some things that are a bit of a struggle at times. It's um, It's not if we'll face them. So while trials are not an option, coming through, coming through them is an option and how you come through them, okay? Very much is the decision how you, you can come out. You remember there's a guy called Jonah in the Bible. He, he was swallowed by a whale and, you know, he had a problem, obviously. He's in the belly of a whale and, uh, and uh, he could come out of that whale two ways. He could be vomited out or he could be out the back end. And, one, and out the back end, I think you become bitter, but out the front end, you're going to become better. I want to be a better person through my trial. Would you agree? I don't want to become a bitter person. I want to become a better person. And trials have, the, have a way of making us better. So we're going to look at that today. Um, Paul, uh, sorry, James says in verse 2 as well, he says various trials. He says there's, there's a number of ways that you can face trials. And I've always looked at that and think, what is it? What kind of trials could we nail down and say that we face? And I want to just quickly, very quickly, give you three. You know, there's the trial of consequence. You know, the trial of reaping what you sow in Galatians 6, 7, it says, reaping what you sow. There's the trial of consequence. In other words, we make bad decisions. There's things that we do wrong that aren't good. And so as a consequence of that, we go through some struggles. I'm thankful for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for His love. I can come to him with my, my failure, my bad decision and, or sin, and he, forgive, he can forgive me and we can move on. His grace is incredible. His mercy is always there for us. But there's the trial of consequence. The second trial I see in Scripture, I'm just looking at Scripture. The second trial I see is it says in 1 Peter 4, um, it speak, Peter speaks of the fiery trial of persecution. And, and so <clears throat> we see, especially the Christians in those days went through trials of persecution uh, they were literally uh, martyred for their belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. James himself, the head of the Christian church in Jerusalem, was killed. Uh, there's just some historical record that he was either had his head chopped off he was th- or he was thrown off the top of the temple. And uh, whatever it was, he certainly didn't last. But it was a reality that they faced persecution. And we can go through that kind of trial. You know, today we don't face the type of persecution that the early Christians do. Um, it's more of a very subtle persecution. Uh, But you know what? We need to still stand up. uh, In an immoral world, we need to stand up for what God says is right and true. And sometimes, whether you're a Margaret Court or whoever it may be, you'll face some persecution for standing up. 
uh, just for truth. We won't go there this morning, but we have the trial of consequence, we have the trial of, um, of belief, and then we have the trials that are the mysterious ones. We're not quite sure why. Um, that they're the most difficult of trials for us to accept. It seems the problem is, is there, that is, there's no simple or logical reason why we're going through what we're going through. Um, there's things that happen, we're not quite sure. And this is the trial that maybe Job went through. Uh, Job uh, didn't, he didn't do anything particularly wrong, he just, there was a mystery to him. His wife said God was at fault, his friend said that he was at fault and he sinned. Uh, in the end it was neither, but Job, out of it he learnt something and it was already shared this morning. The ultimate lesson out of any type of trial that we face is that it, it needs to draw us closer in trust to our Heavenly Father. And that's what Job learnt through that. And so I want to just talk about that. I want to expand about it because not those particular trials in particular, but I just wanted to bring that to your attention because the reality is, is that we see James says something. He says, count it all joy when you face various trials. As I said earlier, it seems difficult to comprehend that you can have joy in the midst of trial. But the truth is, uh, it's there and I believe it's possible. And you may ask, well, how? Well, I'm glad you asked. So let's answer it. The first thing it says, James says here, in verse 2 and 3 of James chapter 1, he says, My brothers, or, or count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Can you see uh, what James says? He says, count it all joy. The word count, interesting word. Um, and I appreciate that the, the English translators have tried to... Uh, translate from the Greek and then put the word count but count um, if you if you kind of expand it a bit more it means this to lead with your thoughts in other words take the lead when thinking and not let uh, the other voices take the lead in your mind but think clearly take the lead in what how you're going to think so that's what count means but the word no then then James says and no Know that the testing of your faith produces patience. The word no is a great word because it's to be aware of what you're thinking and control it, control your thinking. Who knows today that your mind is the, is the battleground for your whole life? The, the way you think is the way you speak. The way you think is the things you do. So whatever you control here is so important. Whatever you bring into, allow into your mind, whatever you focus on, whatever you meditate upon, it'll affect the way you speak and the way you live life. You can live life, as I said, and getting bitter about life, or you can look at life and the struggles and get better about life. But it all starts here. So James is literally talking. And so the first thing to do in trials is very simple. It's to capture your thoughts. Because in the midst of trials, there's always opportunities for your mind uh, to go all different places about where it should go. See, so James is saying, realign your thoughts with what you know and not what is hearsay or rumor. Um, your emotions at the time of trials want to scream at you unreasonable and irrational thoughts at times. Irrational. Like, this will be the end of me. Or this will be forever. Or I'm powerless over this. I want to tell you, they're lies. They're lies. See, you... Things can be, see, Paul actually said in 2 Corinthians 10.5, he said, bring every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. What is he talking about? He's talking about uh, your thoughts, because your thoughts, like their freedom, 
They like the freedom to roam through the junkyard of anxiety and fear and, and, and rumor and gossip and moral, immoral thinking and jealousy and revenge and unforgiveness and all the other nasty feelings that want to take over your emotions. See, if we allow our thoughts, they'll roam as far as they want to roam. But you've got to capture them, tie them up, those thoughts that aren't right, and dispose of them, not in the recycled bin, but in the disposable bin. Because you don't want to recycle them, folks, those type of thoughts. You've got to capture those things because they will either, your thoughts will either give you life or they'll destroy your life. And that's what James is saying. He's saying to these mature Jewish converts who've converted out of Judaism, and he's saying, come on, guys, you've got the knowledge, but have you got the, have you got the capacity to physically live for what the Word of God says? Paul is saying, come on, wrestle those things. Wrestle them to the ground, tie them up. Well, I, um, just recently, and some of you are aware that I, I've kind of been back and forth from Brisbane because my eldest daughter had a little girl. Uh, sorry, a little boy. Oh, my goodness. Don't, don't let her hear that. Far out. Uh, he had a little boy, Ezekiel. She had a little boy. <clears throat> and, um, and of course, I mean, Michelle's been there and I've been supporting Michelle. So I've been in Brisbane a bit. And I've just noticed when I go to Brisbane... Um, I have a wonderful little thing on my phone called Google Maps. Who's got Google Maps? Love it. Great little tool. And so you plug it into your car um, if you've got a capacity to plug it in. Otherwise, you just let it run there beside you. And it'll direct you through the streets of Brisbane because Brisbane seems to have this wonderful capacity to change every, all the streets all the time. You know, not, not drastically, but if you, if you don't go every, you know, not there all the time, they do change the streets. And so Google Maps thankfully has kept up to date generally with the streets in Brisbane. So I use it all the time to get from the one side to the other. So I'm going through uh, Brisbane and it says, you know, turn left here, turn right here, take the second exit off the roundabout. And it's a really good. And, 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 and in Google Maps, there's a, there's a voice called Siri. She's actually an Australian lady who does that. Um, but I, I call her the voice. And the voice is really good above ground. But in Brisbane, there's a number of tunnels. And so when you go underground, and when you're 50 meters under the ground, I've discovered that Siri gets a little bit confused. In actual fact, I'm really confused. And so as you're going through the tunnels in Brisbane, she'll, she'll, she'll think you're above ground. She'll say, turn left, turn right, take the second exit off that roundabout. And I'm like, you're joking. And it's just funny to sit there in your car because there's nowhere. If I turn left, that's a concrete wall right there. I got, I got, it got quite humorous to see her correcting herself all the time. For the, and some of those tunnels are like 10, 13 kilometers long through Brisbane from one side to the west side of Brisbane. And it's interesting because, you know, it's interesting. She comes out in the light of day and, Siri, and, and, and then with no apology, she just says, just continue on. <laughs> I'm thinking, where have you been, Siri? I'm so confused. She doesn't understand height. She doesn't understand you, whatever, how many meters, I'm saying 50, it could be less or more, below the ground. And see, the voice that speaks to you in the times when, it, 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 when you're really not in the midst of a trial uh, can be quite disruptive, can be quite divisive, can be quite unreasonable, it can be quite unrational. And the truth is, if you take the advice of a voice that's not the voice you need to listen to, it can cause incredible destruction. You could do a left hand and end up just into a wall. And, and, and it's the same with your mind. It's the same. What voice are you going to listen to this year? What voice are you going to listen to today? And particularly in the midst of those times when a trial or a struggle hits you fair in the face and you've got to face it. 
What voice will you listen to? Because generally, Siri is really good above ground, but when you go below, it's not good at all. And sometimes when we get low or we get down, you've got to be careful of the voice you're listening to. You've got to be careful because it want to take you. I, I was amused. Um, I want to show you a picture. I was amused at this picture. It's amazing what voices people listen to. Here's a picture of a car. Obviously, it's in Moreton Bay in Brisbane. That's the Stradbroke Ferry that's going across the Stradbroke Island. Um, this particular car was hired from the Brisbane airport by three precious Japanese young people. Nothing against Japanese, but um, they just didn't make some right decisions, as obviously you can see. They, they had Google Maps. They listened to Siri, and as Siri directed them, because they wanted to go to Stradbroke Island. They had no idea there's no bridge. So as the, as the um, Siri took them from a bitumen road to a dirt road, they continued to follow. As it went from a dirt road to a gravel road, they continued to follow Siri. They thought, you know, Japanese people are incredibly highly tech. They know what they're talking about. They know, what they, they know it works, so to speak. So as it went from a gravel road to a mud, they continued to drive. As it went from mud to water, they realized, I think she's got it wrong. As they tried to reverse, they were stuck in the mud. Um, as the tide came, they had to abandon the car. The tide came over the very top of the car, completely swamped it, filled it with ocean water. They finally got the uh, tow truck to come and tow them out. He took them to a motel. He then took the car to a wreckers because it was completely destroyed. And I gathered they had a little bit of a bill to pay to the hire company. But the point is, will you go to the extreme? Because sometimes there's the voice in your head that you've got to recognize that's irrational and unreasonable. And say, I'm not going to listen to the voice. I'm going to listen to a voice that is uh, the truth and honesty. And I'm going to push through with this. I'm not going to listen to something. Because your head is the battleground for your battle. So James clearly says to these mature Christians. Come on. The second thing that he says is here in James 1.4. He says this. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete and lacking what? Nothing. James is saying, because the word patience, another word for the word patience is endurance or to endure, which, which in our Western English has a little bit more emphasis on a, on a long-term thing. And not, look, patience is I'll just, uh, just sit here and be patient. No, no, endurance is talking about moving forward and enduring. And so the second thing we need to do in trials is to endure. Um, endurance is not a moment. It's not an event. It's not what happens just in one prayer even. It's sometimes continuing. Endurance is a process. To endure means to keep on going. Endurance doesn't all of a sudden come upon you, folks. It, it, it's, a, it, it's, it's one of those things that takes a while. You've got you, you to continue. You just can't say, well, I've got endurance, and then give up. No, no, endurance is not giving up. Endurance is when you get halfway through the trial and say, I've had enough of this, turn around and go home. No, 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 I'm going to keep on pressing through. Um, I'm just glad that, you know, when you go halfway through that uh, 14 kilometer tunnel in Brisbane, that you don't get halfway and Siri keeps on confusing you and you're listening to it and you say, well, that's it, I'm going back to the start. You can't turn around in a tunnel. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. It's called endurance. It takes longer than we think sometimes. The word endurance means to carry on despite the hardship or to carry on through. Endurance means to carry on despite the fact that maybe you got hurt. 
despite the fact that you ran out of money, despite the fact that somebody said something nasty, despite the fact that your prayer didn't get answered straight away, and despite the fact that you got sick when we thought we shouldn't have got sick. I'm not quite sure what it may be today, but I just want you to know it's an opportunity to press forward and not pull back. Drop, not drop the ball, but continue to run. See, James says there's a reward for enduring. He says you can be complete and lacking nothing. I'm just so glad when I've come to Jesus Christ that you, you can say, um, complete, lacking nothing, really? Well, you know, I think there's a process in that. But when, when I come to Christ, receive Him as my Lord and Savior, he, God looks at me through Jesus, what Jesus has done for me. And, you know, it says, if, if I confess my sins, He's faithful and just to forgive me from all my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. In other words, he sees me as perfect, but through Jesus Christ, complete, lacking through Jesus Christ. Other words, otherwise, I'm just, uh, you know, there's plenty to be forgiven. But through Christ, he can complete us. It's in Christ that you live and move and have your being, isn't it? And so it says here, being complete and lacking nothing. And, you know, that's the only way we can. We can't in our own effort. We can't orchestrated it's through belief in jesus christ so complete and lacking nothing to have the ability to make good choices to be able to handle the struggles with maturity to not be feeling desperate in life always feeling deprived and depressed but there's a lovely word to prevail to prevail and that's what you get to arrive at when you learn to endure you get to prevail um, to prevail means to prove more powerful than the opposing force and to overcome James says, if you endure, you'll be complete and lacking nothing. I love that. There's a, there was an illustration. Uh, there's a show that used to be on. Maybe it's still on. Look, to be honest, I didn't actually watch it. I just watched a segment of it. I probably watched no more than five minutes of this show. It's called The Biggest Loser. And it's not talking about someone who's just a loser. It's talking about people losing weight. And the show is all based around the person who could lose the most weight. And you see this person on a treadmill running for their life and, is a, you know, uh, and trying to you know, do the exercise. And the trainer is beside them, egging them and encouraging them. Come on, run. Come on, keep on going. And the, all of a sudden, the guy on the treadmill says, this is killing me. And the trainer says, no, it's not. It's just exercise. And I think sometimes that the reality is in life, we, we, could, we feel like with the trial that we're in or the situation we're in, we feel like this is going to be the end of me. No, it's not. If you keep on enduring, you'll find that there's a joy comes in the morning. There's a better day. But why give up halfway or three quarters of the way? Keep on going. It's just in actual fact, what it's doing is it's making you stronger. Making you stronger. Why would we give up being stronger and run the other way halfway through? And that's what James is saying. Endure through the trial because you'll find that it's making you more complete, both in body and mind. It can make you more complete. Keep going. Keep forgiving. Keep giving thanks. Keep praying for those who hurt you. Keep loving God. Keep trusting God. Keep even going to church. Do you know why? I, I, you might say, why? Well, there's nothing about this building that's that exciting, but there's something about you that's exciting. And when you're, we're together, God wants to do something and speak to our hearts. That's exciting. So, James says, come on, endure. Here's the last thing, the third thing. James chapter 1, verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally without reproach. It'll be given to him. 
or given to them. So James says, if in the midst, you know, in the midst of trials, you know, the, I've been in the midst of trials, and I don't know what's happening. And I'm not quite sure how to handle it. It's a lot of times that's happened in my life, and in, in your life as well. How do we handle this? How do we cope with this? And James says, here's what you do. You actually ask God. Here's a novel thought. Talk to God. Pray to God. Ask Him. And you know, and not just ask Him in the midst of your trial, because if you're going to ask Him, some of us ask, but we never wait for the answer. And sometimes you need to ask and just sit for a moment or just, just pause for a moment in this life of continual, just fast pace. You need to slow down. And just for a moment, give God some time so that you can hear what He wants to say to you. That's what, the, that's what the Bible says. It says, wait upon the Lord and He'll renew your strength. Wait upon Him. He wants to add something to your life. You know, some of us say, well, where's God in my life? Well, folks, you're running so fast. God's not, gonna, God's not running at that pace. He's back here waiting for you. He's waiting because He's got purpose and He loves you. and He's just waiting to share with you. So the third thing in the midst of trials is to give time to asking, but also listening. And notice what it's for. It's for wisdom. Seek that wisdom. Because I, a lot of the time, I haven't got wisdom about what I'm facing. <laughs> you know, I am not the wealth of wisdom, folks. But I know the God who is. And I'm just glad that I can be connected to Him. See, wisdom is not just knowledge, by the way. There's a lot of intelligent people out there who got themselves into the problem that wise people would have never got themselves into the problem in the first place. Think about that. Intelligent people who get themselves into, out of problems and into problems, wise people would have never got there, in the, never went there in the first place. Because intelligence is different to wisdom. A lot of intelligent people haven't got wisdom. And wisdom is this ability to be able to apply what you know and practically outline. See, James is speaking to a whole bunch of Jewish converts who have got the scriptures, Old Testament at least, and they, they're mature. And yet in the midst of it, James says, you guys need wisdom. If you're going to face these trials, you need to hear what God wants to say. You need wisdom. And they say, well, we know the scriptures. Well, that's not enough. How about you apply it? Because wisdom is applied knowledge. And James speaks to them. And the only place that I truly know is that when God can, when you ask and you can receive. And, and it's amazing how God speaks to you. Sometimes you're just reading his word. Instead of just flipping through it and saying, I've done my five verses for the day, why don't you just pause and meditate upon it and see what God wants to say to your life. Amazing how many times he'll actually say something. Sometimes it can be through what someone else says to you. Sometimes it can be just in your own prayer. You get this revelation or you get just this thought that comes and you know it's more smarter than you could ever think and you know, oh God, that must be that's something you're thought up and telling me. I was... Uh, um, I notice James says, if any of you lack wisdom, um, it's a bit of tongue-in-cheek here because really he knows we all lack wisdom. <laughs> and he says, ask of God and he'll give it to you liberally. God is not trying to make life hard for you by withholding good information from you. He wants to give you insight that you need for life. But the trouble comes with us stopping to listen and get the understanding. Albert Einstein said this, the famous scientist he said, any fool can know, the point is to understand. And uh, I think Albert Einstein had intelligence. Um, M equals MC squared, E equals MC squared and all that formulas. But he had more than that. I think he had an element of wisdom because he declared, you know, you've got to understand. 
You've got to understand. You can know a lot of stuff, but are you applying what you understand? Um, this past week, uh, while driving around Brisbane, um, I, I, on four occasions, because it's been like three week, over three weeks, and um, I, in those times I was driving around Brisbane, uh, at times I, I've had on four occasions people um, beep their horn at me from behind me. And, um, and my initial thought is, um, oh, it, they're wrong, I've done nothing wrong. They're wrong, I've, I'm right. Um, and, and, uh, and as they started to, you know, uh, you know cause, because I think oh, Brisbane people are just impatient. I should have a sign on the back of my car, country driver, slow down, I should say that. But anyway, but on four occasions, and, and, the, and the fourth time, I kind of, it, it was just a bad moment. Siri took me in the wrong direction again. Actually, it was above ground she took me in the wrong direction. Anyway, it wasn't her fault. And then, and, and I'm saying, oh, you know, I know I've gone the wrong direction. And, and, and then this person beeps me from the back again, the fourth time. And I'm like, inside really festering up i'm like you are joking i've had enough of this what is it with people in these areas they always want to tell me beep their horn at me carry on and then my beautiful wife who had no idea what i was going through said something honey i think you need to turn this way i'm like i'm like in my mind don't say a word right now come on don't laugh at me you've done that um don't say i'm i'm right now I'm really battling because I've got to preach a message on, uh, on trials and attitudes, and I'm struggling with it right now. Whoever really think something, something you read something and you go through it before you can ever share it with anybody else? Just me. Cool. So I, I'm battling there in the car. We've turned the wrong direction. The person's honked me for the fourth different person, four different people. Uh, and I'm like, not on the same day, thankfully. I'm like, you're joking. This is Michelle. I didn't say anything to her because she has not done anything wrong. But you know, in your mind, you kind of visualize choking your... <laughs> you never had that? You never had that? No, I never visualized that. But, you know, she wouldn't have a clue. She's not doing anything wrong. It's just me. I'm battling. And you know what? I finally came to a moment there after the fourth time of being honked. I thought, Lord, maybe, just maybe, there's something wrong with me here. And I surrendered right there in the car as I'm driving along. And I just said, God, what is it? I asked the question, is there something for me to learn here? I just asked it. I said, God, what, what is this? What is, I've driven to Brisbane a hundred, two hundred, lots of times in my life. Never been honked by people before. And, you know, as I started to think about it, it isn't amazing when you ask God the question, you become vulnerable to him and you start to think clearly and you open your heart. See, when you humble yourself, it's amazing what God can speak to your heart. When you get rid of that pride and that self-justification, it's all about me and I'm right and everybody else is wrong. When you get rid of that, it's amazing how clear your thoughts can become. And God spoke to me. Well, maybe he just reinforced what I knew in my heart. But the first two times he says is because you were undecisive in where you're going and you were running, going across lanes and that's why the first two people beeped at you. The second two was because you were too slow. You just decided to be too slow and... and and I said, God, really? He says, yeah, grow up. <laughs> I was asking, wasn't I? Grow up, James. Maybe you're not as good a driver as you think you are. You're not the hot shot you used to, you know, used to be. Well, just be aware. Just be aware. I said, Father, you're right. 
And, you know, and I, and, and I had to battle with the thoughts and all these thoughts. I said, God, all these thoughts. He said, and, you know, in the midst of it, it's amazing. You know, I said, God, how can I grow up? He says, you're doing it right now. You're confessing it. You're acknowledging it. You're growing up. You're acknowledging where you're at. You're reflective upon your faults and you're moving forward. That's growing up. That's being, that's, that's a moment because you're listening. You're asking and you're listening. And you're learning that there's a trial that you're facing and it's taking you somewhere. It's taking you to a good place. He says, you know what? And I even started to feel a little bit joyful about that. I thought, God, I'm, I'm actually developing my character. Do you know that trials are always there to, to stretch us? To stretch us beyond our ability. And you might say, I don't like the stretching. It hurts. But you know what? It does you good. Because if you endure through it, you keep your mind clear. And you continue to ask and ask for wisdom. It's amazing how much your character will grow. And how much a better person that God helps you to be. James says, consider it, count it, pure joy when you're facing trials. People, we can think if we had less trials, then I'll have more joy. But reality is, more trials, more opportunity for more joy. Because you come through refined, you come through better, if you're well allowing yourself to submit yourself to it and not run from it. So Father, you're teaching me something. Trials help us think differently. Trials can help us endure longer and make us better people. Trials help us to slow down, to ask and hear, and ultimately draw us closer to Him. And guess what? Joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Can I have the team up here this morning? God certainly knows where every one of us are at today. Even, with the, even if we've never, don't even acknowledge him, if we never give him the time of day, he still knows where you're at. He's not going to barge his way into your life. But you know what? As we just come before him and surrender our hearts, it's a, it's a, it's a lifting of the, of the self-righteousness, it's a lifting of our self-justification, and it's just saying, Father, I've become vulnerable before you. I need you in my life. I need you to come in and actually help me. And maybe today, the, the reality is you face some of those trials I've spoken of. And some of the things that just want to eat away at your heart and soul, or just want to just pull you down. Hey, you know, today, why don't we take a moment, a reflective moment, and just say, God, I just surrender that to you today. I give that over to you. I, I can't see light at the end of the tunnel, but in the midst of the darkness, being underground, and all these irrational thoughts, I just surrender to you. And I just say, yeah, God, you're going to be my hope in my future. So while you're seated there this morning, could you close your eyes? And could you, can I just ask you, if there's a, I just love to pray for people maybe today just are facing the reality of something that is a struggle. It might be for many varied reasons, but it's a struggle. And I'd love to just pray for you today, right now. Could you just lift your hand and say, yeah, because behind your hand can be just a faith and a heart. Come on, people are here today. I love that. Righto. Let me pray. Father, today, it's not my prayer. That makes any difference, but it's the prayer of faith. And today, as we lift our hands to you, we just pray, Father God, for your hand and strength for us as we face what we're facing. Father, it, there's varied many reasons, but today that you're capable of coming into our world and guiding us through, strengthening us through it, and taking us through it. And I pray that you'll do that with the people today. We need you, Lord, uh, more than we realize, I think, sometimes. And so we hand over today to you. 
that which wants to come and traumatize us and, and try and pull us down. We give it to you today. Help us, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. God's good, isn't he?